the podcast for you, the real estate professional. This is One on One, the official Realty One Group podcast powered by One University. All right. Welcome to another episode of uh, One on One. Today is today's going to be a, a fun one. Um, Kathy, it's good to see you again. And hey. we are joined by uh, one of our friends and colleagues, uh, Alex Mihai, our general counsel. Alex, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, this is a, I, I mean, I, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. This is going to be, uh, we're talking law today. And so I have my notes and Kathy does as well. And um, we're going to really let Alex let you guys in on some some pretty vital information. So I kind of just want to get going. Um, can we just kind of start, like maybe list off some hot topics that are happening right yeah. now in the industry from, yeah. from a legal standpoint? Sure. Uh, so there's several of them that um, I guess affect the industry as a whole, not not local issues, but you have cybercrime issues that are always a hot topic. Um, you have the typical ADA accessibility for websites, you know, agents have sites, making sure everyone can access those sites. That has come up. Um, you have RESPA issues that involve settlement service, you know, procedures and how brokers interact there. Um, you have a, a very significant lawsuit taking place today that involves NAR and several of the bigger brokerages. Uh, they're being sued for alleged antitrust mm-hmm. violations, which could really impact uh, agent commissions, among other things, and how we basically do real estate, depending on the result of that case. Um, uh, th- you know, and then you have some other issues, just fraud type claims that you see. You see the typical non-disclosure cases that we get in our in our lawsuits involving our transactions, broker transactions. So that's, um, so you know, that's a lot. Yeah, was, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Here's what I'd love to do because. Alex, for most realtors like myself, it can be overwhelming. I mean, just that list you gave us was overwhelming and makes, you know, that little fairy on my back go, oh, my gosh, we need to worry about things we didn't even know we needed to worry about. So it's always good to have um, good counselors like you. It's it's good to be well represented. Can we just today and Josh, probably what we need to do is schedule multiple. Yeah. We do multiple times with Alex and pick apart a lot of these. What I would love to talk about today, Alex, with your permission is and your your expertise is that antitrust, because what gets my attention is when you say things like how realtors get paid. Yeah. That makes me yeah. pause. I uh, I completely agree. I, I want to apologize really quick because we need to take two steps back. And Kathy and I obviously have a very, very good relationship and we know Alex very well. But for those that don't maybe give us a quick you know, 15 to 30 seconds. Sure. Yeah. Um, your background and, yep. and your expertise, obviously. Uh, sure. Uh, so I, I joined the company in 2015. This is my first official podcast. I done, <laughs> I did one with Mark about three years, yeah. two years ago. Uh, I joined the company in 2015. We had about 6,700 agents then. So I feel like I've sort of had this front row seat to see the explosive growth yeah. of not just our agent count, but our office count, marketing team, just everything that we've done. It's been very exciting. Um, I'm a licensed attorney and a licensed broker here in the state of California. Um, I was in private practice at a private law firm here in Orange County, California for about uh, eight years before I joined Realty One Group. Um, I specialized there in litigation and I worked with cities and police departments uh, defending civil rights type claims. It's much different than what I do today. Um, But real estate has always been sort of a passion. Um, 
that's why I got my broker's license. And mm-hmm. when, when, you know, I spoke to Kuba about joining the company, it was a wonderful opportunities to, uh, to again, have that front row seat and seeing his vision, you know, sort of take part right in front of my own eyes is, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. I think we've all witnessed it from our own point of view and it's, it's pretty spectacular to be along for the ride. Um, well, yeah, we're obviously very, very, very fortunate to have you on the team, but yeah, let's, let's jump back into it. Uh, let's talk this antitrust, antitrust. case. Yeah. I think, I think first it's important to get a, a working definition of what antitrust is before we just talk about the antitrust case. If I was listening and I was a broker or an agent or someone else, I'd want to know what does that mean exactly? So we have, um, we have laws in the United States. Some of them are, are most of them are passed by Congress, federal laws, anti the antitrust laws was a bill enacted by Congress years ago. And it basically says that uh, companies can't, get into cahoots and fix prices, um, fix prices to, to, you know, at the detriment of a consumer. So you can't have Toyota call Ford and say, Hey, sell your full size truck at 40,000. And also mine at 40,000 and we won't give these guys another choice. So these these anti-competitive practices are not allowed in our, in our country. So that's what we mean when we say antitrust, you can't, you can't price fix. It's one of the elements of, of, um, antitrust violations. So, What's being alleged in this case, you, this case was filed about three years ago. Um, it's out of Missouri. Um, you have plaintiffs who are basically home sellers that are alleging that there was, there's price fixing going on in our industry. And so these plaintiffs sold their homes, and they're curious to know uh, basically why they're having to pay the commission of the buyer's agent. So if I'm selling my house, they don't feel they should pay this commission that's already set right. in most cases, mostly in all cases, you know, whether it's 3% or 2% that goes to the buy side, why am I having to pay that when I don't have any relationship with the buyer's agent? I don't know what services they're going to render for the buyer. Um, none of my business, but you're making me pay this, and people are doing it all across the board. So is this price fixing? Mm-hmm. So named in that lawsuit is NAR, um, Berkshire Hathaway, Remax, uh, Keller Williams, and Rilogy. Basically the top. All the big hitters. All the big hitters, yeah. right? So they're all named. And then, you know, Rilogy obviously has all their brands that are named. So again, the allegation is that there's in these inflated commissions that are consistent all across real estate, and they shouldn't have to be paid by uh, sellers. And that's the that's the crux of this lawsuit. Um, one interesting thing about this lawsuit is that the Department of Justice um, sort of caught wind of it. There was complaints made to them, so the mm-hmm. Department of Justice got involved. And when they get involved, they're basically uh, they're basically investigating sort of these antitrust issues there. So it's one thing to say in a civil complaint where you're asking for money damages. It's another thing for the Department of Justice to get involved and say, do we have like a national issue here where there's price fixing among brokers? Um, so, so, yeah. So where, where does NAR stand on this? Like, where's their position? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So NAR, NAR's position is essentially that the system, the, the real estate system we have in the United States, which is really based on cooperation between brokers through a shared marketplace. We call them MLSs. Mm-hmm. These multiple listing services allow any agent from any brokerage to list properties for sale and advertise them for sale. So NAR is going to say, look, this is the most competitive environment we can provide because if you're a small broker with two agents, if you're a large broker with a hundred thousand agents, you still use the same service. Right. Um, if you're a first time buyer, if you are an investor that's bought thousands of homes, you still have the same information available to you. 
Um, so if you try to if you try to suggest that the environment all these brokers work in um, is anti-competitive, that's just not true because it gives everyone an equal playing field to view homes. It's probably the most accurate information you can get when mm-hmm. it comes to property searches. You can go on Realtor.com or Zillow or some of these other places, but the MLS itself, you know, Kathy, you probably know just as much about MLS as I do. That's that's where you're going to get your most accurate information. That's right. where brokers type in the info themselves with their own fingers and not, right. it's not replicated by another third-party company. So, exactly. And, you know, I wonder, I'm just sitting here wondering, because I've been in real estate a long time, Alex, and I remember when it was the good old boy network. You know, I'm from the South, and and I'm sure there are pockets all over the country where it was the good old boy network, and they probably all did get in a room and say, hey, this is what we're going to charge. But I think that was before MLS. I think that was before the Internet. That was before it became such a competitive arena. Um, so, you know, if the antitrust had been filed 30 or 40 years ago, I might go, hey, yeah, there might have been some of that backslapping. This is what we're going to charge. But I'm like you in this environment. I just can't imagine. Yeah. So where does the case yeah. stand now? So the case recently, um, the case was, so the, the court, it's venued again in Missouri. The court granted what's called class certification. So you'll see likely some advertisements happening by the plaintiff's side. They're going to say, hey, we, we're following this class action. Mm-hmm. If you sold the home between these days, I believe it's between 20, sometime in 2015 to present. If you sold the, a home in this area of Missouri during this time, you're part of this class. And you'll get these little thing, little flyers probably in the mail. Those folks in that area will. And if you want to opt out, you can. If not, you're, you're part of the class automatically. So class certification doesn't mean that there's any finding of fault. It just, it's just a, it's a procedural legal um, course that, that takes place in a, in a lawsuit. The judge doesn't look at the merits of a case to decide if he's going to gla- grant class certification. They take a look at the potential plaintiff's class to determine if all those plaintiffs have something in common, which is they all sold their homes. Um, so there's got to be commonality, you know, the, the, the facts arise from the same, you know, issue, so to speak, which is home sales. So, yeah, class certification was granted. Um, that's kind of where it stands. The decisions on the merits have not sort of been adjudicated yet. Um, one, a couple interesting things, Josh and Kathy, on this one is, you know, so we sort of talk about the competitive environment, but when it comes to commissions, you know, the, the argument is that, hey, they're all the same. Everybody from, you know, Missouri to California to other markets, they're all at 6%, let's say, yeah. or thereabouts, right? So how was that possible? Mm-hmm. How was it possible? These guys all must be in cahoots. Well, I, I mean, I know for a fact that, you know, our CEO, Cuba, doesn't call the CEO of Remax and say, hey, right. you should list all your stuff at 6 and all this yeah. my stuff at 6. That, that's not happening. I know that. So it's going to be very hard for these people to prove this sort of conspiracy element that we're all in on some, some fix. It, it's the argument NARA is going to make going back to your question, Josh, yeah. what's our position is that we set commission based on what the market bears. There'll be some markets now where it's 4%. There'll be some markets where it's 5%, but it's what you can even charge 8% commission. If you feel like you should, um, it's what the market bears. I, I see it personally as no different than, than the, let's just call it the, the food industry that sells pizzas. You can basically go out and buy a medium pizza for ten bucks. What would I, so if you're going to Domino's or Pizza Hut or Papa John's, they're all going to have like a ten dollars sort of right. pizza. Are they all calling each other and, and say, "Let's sell your medium for ten bucks"? I'll sell my. Not no, they're probably yeah. not doing that. But that's what the market bears. Right. That's what the market's going to pay. So that's where we're at. Um, the the one sort of the one sort of point that 
is made by plaintiffs in this case, which I think is interesting and I think will change, and it's one of the things that the Department of Justice, Department of Justice investigated, is advertising services is free on the buy side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, you and I were talking about this when we were off camera. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so inside the complaint, they cite to Keller, Keller Williams' training manual. And, it, and, and at Keller, they, according to the complaint, they train their agents on the buy side to, to say to their clients, hey, you're, you're, you don't have to pay me anything. You're, to you, it's going to be free. And they use the word free. Mm-hmm. And NAR had some language in their guidelines to their agents, you know, that are part of NAR, that they can advertise their services as free. Because on the buy side, the buyer is not paying a commission of any sort, especially right. not to his agent. Um, that was one of the thing that that was one of the issues that was highly contested in the complaint. That's going to be litigated here. Is it really free when the buyer's agent is in fact making money? Mm-hmm. They are earning a commission. So whether it's two percent or three percent or however it's identified on the listing, there is money going to the buyer's agent, but. The, the question then becomes is, does the client, does the, does the buyer's agent's client, the actual buyer, does saying that his, his, it's free to him limit him from then wanting to negotiate any of the potential commission going to his agent? Got it. So if I'm a buyer and I think my agent's done a horrible job representing me, or I think he's done a great job representing me, he's going to get the same amount no matter what, yeah. according to the way we practice real estate. So that's one of those interesting issues where should buyers be allowed to sort of negotiate with their agent on how much they get paid based on the service they're getting? Most, most industries, you kind of, you, you tip somebody serving you, you base the tip sometimes on quality of service, good service, you get this much, bad service, you get that much. Right. You can't really do that in real estate based, the, yeah. based on the way we practice real estate. So that's one of the issues that I think may change. Um, it, is, it is one of the points that was, so when the Department of Justice investigated this, they ended up reaching what's called a, a settlement with NAR. And there's some disputes on that settlement. But one of the points in the, in the settlement that, that NAR gave into, um, and this is public information, um, is that NAR said, okay, we will get rid of advertising services as free. We will no longer do that as an industry. So we will get rid of the word f- free. We will not say it's okay at NAR. We, we will tell our brokers that belong to NAR, you can't advertise your services as free on the buy side anymore which opens the door to buyers potentially negotiating that commission. Right. Okay. Um, the other thing that, that's on the table in that settlement is the offer of compensation being made to the buyer. That's got to be disclosed to the buyer. Sometimes it's not. If, if the buyer just gets the, if the buyer's receiving a listing from his agent that says, hey, let's go see these homes. Here's a listing. That listing doesn't always say what the offer of compensation is to the buyer's agent. It just mm-hmm. may not be in there. Um, that's an MLS regulation. That's an MLS regulation. I mean, that, that, should, that should be addressed at the MLS level because yeah. most MLS is like if it's a 6% commission, if it's a 3-3 three, three, or a, if it's 5%, it's 2.5, 2.5. That is disclosed in MLS. That does not mean the buyer sees it. Yeah, does not mean the buyer sees it. So now it's got to be disclosed to the buyer. Well, okay. It's interesting what you just said there, Kathy, because in the in the Las Vegas market this this was true at the time this complaint was filed about three three and a half years ago um, 2019 end of 2019 I believe one of the things an agent can do in the Las Vegas MLS there where we have obviously offices as well um, an agent can send his client homes to view 
And there's all these toggle features. You know, you want to see four bedrooms and two baths. You want to see three bedrooms and this and that. This, you know, this, this neighborhood. We can limit all these features and just send them listings in that area. One of the toggle features on their MLS there was toggling by the commission that the buyer's agent would receive. Oh, that's interesting. So as an, as an agent, if I'm your agent, Josh, and mm-hmm. you're my buyer, I can, only, I can send you, if I wanted to, all homes for sale that were being offered at 3% yeah. commission for me. So I wouldn't send you the ones that are 2% or 1% because right. I'd be, I could potentially make less commission. So if you want to see all three-bedroom, two-bath homes in, let's say, Henderson, Nevada, I can put one of the toggles as at 3% commission. So it'd be three bedrooms, two-bath at 3%. There could be some other ones at 2%, but you might not so, see those. So it's advantageous for so the agent. It's advantageous for the agent. So they got, they got rid of that really quick there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's one of the, the things that um, these plaintiffs are going to sort of harp on to sort of change things. Um, so yeah, that's one of the other, when I say the settlement between NAR and the DOJ, the, one of them, I, like I mentioned, Kathy, we talked about the disclosing of the, of the um, commission to the buyer that the buyer's agent will get, not advertising the service is free, and the MLS is not being allowed to have these filtered base commission amounts where they, the clients would only see so, so many. So that's another one on there. And then the last one, the last point that I understand um, between NAR and the DOJ that they're negotiating on is having lockbox access made available to all licensed professionals. So they've got to be... Explain that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are times, I guess, where, you know, depending on the MLS system, some of the boxes are electronic, some of them are mechanical. I don't know. There's all these different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Some of the agents have access to them. Some of the agents don't have access to them. Some agents could be limited by the MLS for whatever reason. Um, One of the things that that, that the DOJ wants is that any agent have access, anybody that's licensed has to have access so their client can get in. You can't sort of exclude one client or another client because of the agent not having the proper tools right, or mechanics. Right. You got to be able to let them in somehow. So if they don't, if they're not signed up for the electronic sort of lockbox, somebody has to go there and open the door for them. So they have to be able to allow their client to get in. There can't be this exclusion because the agent's not equipped and not paying his, you know, $35 fee a month or whatever it is. I understand that. I totally disagree with that because a lot of times like those electronic, the advantage, and I just want to speak, I want to be the devil's advocate and speak to the other side of that. A lot of times those electronic lock boxes are safety and security issues. Mm-hmm. And you, in my opinion, I want to know that a, um, a realtor is paying dues and they're members of the MLS. And in, and one of the benefits of being members of the MLS is access to lockbox combos. Yeah. And I just, I think that Alex becomes a big, big discussion because to me it becomes security and credentials and a lot of other things that, yeah, I agree with leveling the playing field, but as long as it's not detrimental to yeah. potentially to the consumer. And when you, I think you're, I think you're casting your shadow, not you, but I think DOJ is really can't is casting their shadow in an area they don't need to be in. Just my opinion. Okay. No, that's understood. There, there certainly could be some safety security type issues. I don't think the electronic boxes are going to go away. I just think if an agent doesn't have access to that electronic system, he is now able to call who he needs to call to get that door open. So if another, if right. the listing agent needs to show up and open the door for him, that needs to happen now. Um, I right. think that's kind of where they're going with it. Um, okay. So those are the four big things that are part of the settlement that's on the table. The GOJ is sort of backed out of the settlement. NARS filed some, some, some motions to, to push them to get back to the settlement table. 
they want to we want to obviously resolve as an industry we want to resolve any issues we have with the department of justice that's not somewhere you want to yeah. be hanging out with um I, like so i yeah. kind of I, I know you've, you've pretty much answered this question but just to kind of like wrap it all together should should members of nar be con- concerned about this case or where like what do you think should be the reaction from this yeah that that's a great question i think they should keep an eye on it mm-hmm. um to the extent that they're you know inman publishes news on this case yeah i think they i think they should also be you know from a a good practitioner standpoint i would want to make sure that i have um, agreements with my buyers that I am representing them. A lot of times, and you might see this too, Kathy, we have buyer agents that don't really sign anything formal with their buyer clients. They're just kind of waiting for the uh, point in time where the their buyer is going to say, yep, I want that house. And then they prepare an offer together. And then, and then that's sort of their paperwork. But there should be a formal agreement that you have as a buyer's uh, agent with your buyer that says, these are the services I'm going to offer you. This is some of the work I'm going to do for you. So it makes it very clear that I'm, I'm working for you. I'm doing things for you. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny, Alex. I love that you're saying that. And one point I want to make, because there will probably be people like me that go, what? What, what do you mean? Because I'm in North Carolina. North Carolina, we've had that agency disclosure, mandate agency disclosure. That is a big, big offense with the North Carolina Real Estate Commission if you don't disclose at first greeting. Mm-hmm. representation for buyers. If I didn't have the opportunity to work nationally like I do, I wouldn't realize how many states don't have that. So on behalf of our viewers, I think it's important to know this is an issue that you may be like me in North Carolina in a state that has full disclosure mandate, really high, high standards for disclosure of agency um, representation, or you may be in a state that has none. So I just want for the, for the listeners yep. to be able to, to go, okay, wow, I didn't realize there were states that did that still didn't do that, no. where we are so heavily mandated. So that's that's a very interesting point that, you know, to me that's an R that's an R issue that maybe that should be standard, should be one of the standards. Yeah. Uh I, I mean we've really only scratched the surface on this one, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, it's it, there's still a long ways to go, and how our commissions will be affected, what we can and can't say as agents about the commission, what rights potentially you know sellers may have um, to just pay their own agent as opposed to the other agent that's cooperating with them, that can all kind of change. It it may. Um, I don't see it. I definitely see changes in terms of not advertising your services free. I think that's going to go away because there is compensation being made. Mm-hmm. I think there is going to be some more disclosure uh, between the buyer and the buyer's agent, you know, around what type of commission the buyer's agent is getting. So those are those are all things that I think happen today. Those conversations happen today between buyers and their clients. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it it is not a good practice to send your client only listings at 3%, yeah. you know, just don't do that. Just send them what they're looking for. Don't toggle by the feature that allows you to just send them the yeah. high commission paying uh, homes. But yeah, this, this case is going to be ongoing. We're going to, we're going to continue to watch it as a broker. I'm going to continue to get information out to, uh, you know, the leadership here at our company so yep. they can then get it out to our, our brokers and franchise owners. Um, we'll follow it. I, I don't, I th- just you know, because we've gone international, we've expanded our company internationally, and I've got to have a sort of a, a sense of how real estate is practiced in other countries. Yeah. And this is this is by far the best way. Mm-hmm. This is the best way, the way we do it here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's it's the best, but it's better than all the rest. Yeah. You know, like Winston Churchill said, democracy is not the the best government; it's the worst government. 
but it's better than all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it's kind of like that. Um, you you do have a centralized system where all the listings are exposed and there's requirements. Kathy, to, depending on the MLS, you got to get them up there in 24 hours. 24 it's, hours, yeah. You have standards around that too. Yeah. You, you can't just... No more pocket listings. No more pocket listings. But that's the way the rest of the world basically runs, off pocket listings. Um, you're a broker in Spain or South America or wherever it is. You get someone that comes in your office and says, I want to sell my apartment, my flat. Okay, I'm going to put it up on the wall. I got a couple of people I can call. Yeah. We'll see if we can get it sold. <laughs> you know? That, that, I know a guy. I know, I know a guy. guy. Yeah, I know a guy who's looking. I know <laughs> a guy who's looking. It could always be worse. <laughs> Right. Um, well, I mean, like Kathy said, I, I really want to do it like a, like a legal series. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Um, so we're going to definitely have Alex back for a few more episodes. Um, but we really, really, really appreciate your time and all this information. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you okay. back on soon. Yep. So thank you very much. All right. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Yeah, for thank you. Thanks, okay. Kathy. Thanks a bunch. Thanks. We thank you for joining us today on another episode of One on One, a Realty One Group podcast. We are powered by One.U and ask if you have suggestions, recommendations, or questions, please email learning at realtyonegroup.com. And remember, pay close attention to the details, listen to understand, not respond, and always be a resource, not a sales pitch.